We're about to go into the next phase of worship where we hear what the Lord has prepared for us today. He knew that each and every one of us would be here. And I trust that I know that he has a word for each and every one of us. Our speaker this morning is going to be none other than our very own Sister Karen. Sister Karen is passionate. She is passionate about God. She wants to know him better and better. She wants to worship him. And she wants to sh she is going to share with us what he has laid on her heart this morning. Before she comes, I'm going to lift her up in prayer. So let's bow our heads and let's all lift Sister Karen up in prayer this morning. God, we thank you. Father, what a privilege to serve you. Father, what a blessing to, Father, what a blessing to lift up your name. Father, we worship you, God. But God, the blessings have been ours. The blessings in worship, God, are given unto us, are bestowed upon to us, God. So we give you thanks, God, for the blessing of being in your presence. And Lord, I lift your daughter up before you. Father, you know. You know, mighty God, her heart. You see her heart, Father. You know what she wants to say, Father. And I know, God, that she has heard from you. So, Father, as she is about to deliver this word to us, God, I pray. I pray, Lord that she will speak boldly, mighty God, that which you have said unto her. Father, I pray, Lord, that we will have ears that will hear, Father, listening ears, God, to hear that which you are saying to us. Father, I pray, Lord, for changed hearts, Father, for, for hearts that are softened and turned towards you, God, so that as we hear this message, God, that our hearts, God, will be the fertile soil which you desire to be, Father, the fertile soil, Father, which receives the word, Father, and acts on the word. Father, touch your daughter, God. Touch your daughter, Father. I pray, Lord, and for clarity of mind, God. I pray, mighty God, that her thoughts will flow as you will have them flow, that her voice, mighty God, will carry as you would have her carry, as you would have her say, God. Father, I pray as she comes, Father, that all of us, mighty God, will have good connections, Father, that we'll all, we'll all stay on the line, Father, and we'll all receive that word which you have for us. Father, let your name be glorified, God, in our lives, and let your will be done through us, God. Let your word transform each and every one of us this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Uh, thank you, Tamar. Uh, good morning, everybody. It's such a privilege to be, privileged to be here this morning and to be given an opportunity another day to just share what I think the Lord has, well, not think, I know the Lord has laid on my heart. So my topic to you this morning, as you'd have seen from this slide, is are you qualified? And the definition of qualified is officially recognized as being trained to perform a particular job. It means that you're certified to do something. And we all have things in life that we want to accomplish. Many of us have said that we want to be used by God. We say that we're available to him to do as he pleases. But have we ever stopped to ask if we're qualified? Have you ever stopped to ask if you're qualified? And not by my standards, because we know that the Lord will choose the simple things of the world to confound the wise. That's what the Bible says. But are you qualified by God's standards? And God 
wants to take us. He desires to take us where our, our earthly resumes do not qualify us to go. But he has prerequisites that are different from mine's. And think about it. When we sign up for a job, there are three basic considerations when you sign up for a job. And the first consideration, and that's the first topic I want to share with you this morning, is there's a purpose. In the natural, the purpose of hiring is basic. It is to get a specific job done. And ultimately, the objective is to make money, assuming that the company is a, is a profit-making entity. In the kingdom of God, there is simply one objective. And that objective, that purpose, is for God to be glorified. We know that God is supreme. God is holy and he's sovereign. And he's about glorifying himself in and through us. And I just want to quote a few scriptures that address this. First Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Matthew 5 verse 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Psalm 115 verse 1 says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and for your faithfulness. So the Bible is replete with examples, with scriptures of what it means to glorify God and about glorifying God. And so that is established. I don't think anybody who is in shot of my voice today can question whether or not the purpose, the objective of man is to glorify God. And so having established the purpose, there comes a promise. And that's the second point. The promise is given in exchange for showing up on the job. So when, we, when, when you show up for your job, the promise is that, guess what, Tamar, I'm going to pay you. Guess what, Anne, I'm going to pay you. In exchange for studying and doing well, the promise is that you're going to get a degree or a diploma. If you do X, you get Y. There's always an exchange. And it's the same with God. His word is replete of promises to us. Matthew 6, verse 31 to 33 says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So here's a promise. Seek God first, and these things will be given to you. Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Again, that's another promise. If you trust in the Lord, if you acknowledge him, he will make your path straight. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's another promise. So let us dig a little deeper and we're going we're gonna to spend a little bit of time on the story of Jacob. 
And I'm going to start with Genesis 28, verses 10 to 15. And it reads as follows. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching up to heaven and the angels of God were descending and ascending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. So like his father Isaac, God promised to do God, sorry, God's promise to Jacob was very clear. He will give him the land and he will give him many descendants and people will be blessed through him and his children. But with Jacob's promise came a promise, a process. And with God's promises to us comes a process. It's not snap your fingers and bam, the promise comes to life. God's process is aimed at qualifying us for the promise. And that is what I want to focus on this morning. We too have promises from God. And we have the promises in scripture, a few of which I read before. But some of us also have had promises through a direct prophetic word. But there is a process to the promise. And so the third point I want to make this morning is about the process. And that is where I'm going to spend some time this morning. Just like in real life, this is where the rubber meets the road, the process. And so we're going to talk about the process this morning. So let's go back to Jacob. God's promise in Genesis 28 is to bless Jacob. And if we jump back two chapters, this is the same Jacob who two chapters earlier had received his, his father to steal his brother's birthright. This is the same Jacob who had run away because he was afraid that his brother Esau was going to kill him. But God had a plan for him. But did God's plan for Jacob materialize immediately? No, it didn't. He had to go through some stuff. So let us fast forward to chapter 29 of Genesis where Jacob meets Rachel. So I'm reading from Genesis 29, verses 17 to 30. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. 
Isn't that a wonderful thing? A man loves you so much like seven years, seem like seven days. Verse 21, Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to make love to her. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob and Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave his servant Zilpha to his daughter as her attendant. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, it is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week. Then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her attendant. Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was great, greater than his love for Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. Here we see Jacob offered to work seven years for Rachel. Just when he was now ready to enjoy his wife, he was tricked. And if that wasn't bad enough, he had to work another seven years for Rachel. Now let us personalize this. You have accepted that your purpose is to glorify God. He has given us his promises. You are believing his promises. You have no doubt that his promises are true. But then comes your process. Are you like Jacob? You're going through some stuff that you really don't think you deserve. It's unfair you've been cheated. You want to give up because you've had enough. You've had enough of envious people. You've, in Jamaica, we call them bad men. You've had enough of wicked people, people who've changed the rules on your midstream like Laban did with Jacob. You're tired and you're downright right weary and you're ready to give up. But here comes the light at the end of the tunnel. You think you're finally getting your Rachel. That thing that you've worked so long and so hard for, but here comes Laban again and deceives you. You were on the edge of your breakthrough just when you thought it was coming to reality. It slips out of your hands. What is it you're working for that you have not yet seen the results? When we study, we know that after three or four years, whatever it is, you'll get your degree. You're working with an end in sight. You know when the, the, the graduation is gonna be. You can plan on it, you can count on it, but guess what? This Christian walk is not that simple. God takes us through stuff to prepare us for what he has planned for us. So I'm encouraging you this morning, do not forfeit your process, do not abort your process. God's process is aimed at refining you, at qualifying you for his promise. God's process is aimed at perfecting us to make us look more like him. And Jacob's lesson was a lesson in forbearance. It was a lesson in long-suffering and patience. It was a lesson in forgiveness. And God was working on some stuff in Jacob. Likewise, he's working on some stuff in you. He's working on some stuff in me. He's shaping and he's fashioning us to be more like him. 
And he may be allowing us to go through some stuff, but that is part of our process. And the stuff he's allowing you to go through, maybe to teach you forgiveness. Maybe it is to teach you patience. Maybe it is to teach you long suffering. What would your response be if you were Jacob? What would you have said to Laban? Would he have worked another seven years? I'm pretty sure that Jacob didn't even know what was to come, but he knew he had a promise from God and he accepted what he was going through was his portion. Probably couldn't articulate it like that, but he stuck with it. And I wanna make two key observations from Jacob's story. The trick of Laban was a God set up. Excuse me. Jacob was being tricked and he was given Leah. That is part of his story. But because Jacob was given Leah, that resulted in him having children with Leah. He had Reuben, Simeon, Issachar, Levi, Zebulon, Dinah. But there was another child that Jacob had with Leah, and that child was Judah. And what do we know of Judah? Judah was the father of David, and Jesus came from the line of David. So consider what if Jacob had decided, no, no, you're, you're, you're a trickster. You tricked me. I don't want Leah. What if he had walked away? The second observation from the story of Jacob is that his weight led to destiny. Why? Because Rachel bore Joseph for, for, for um, Jacob. Joseph was a son who God used to fulfill his promise to Jacob and to Isaac and to Abraham. It was jo Joseph's rise in Egypt. We, we know the story well. It was Joseph's rise in Egypt that positioned him to save his brothers. And because he saved his brothers, the promise of God to make his descendants numerous came through. So his wait for Rachel led to the birth of Joseph. And the birth of Joseph led to the fulfillment of God's promise. What are you going through now that you want to walk away from? Like Jacob, you're unfair, you're being unfairly treated. Like Jacob, who has tricked you? Who has stolen from you? Who has deceived you? Can you accept that all of that is part of your process? The process of qualification that God is taking you through? Consider what you'll be forfeiting if you walk away. Consider what you'll be giving up. Could you be aborting your Judah even before? he was conceived? Could you be aborting your Joseph because you walked away and you didn't wait for your Rachel? God is saying to us today, trust my process. It may be painful. It may be uncomfortable. It may be humbling. It may make, make you feel vulnerable. It may make you feel exposed, but will you trust me? God is saying, will you trust me? And that, my brothers and sisters, is my story. I didn't know this was the direction the Lord was going to take me for this message. But I'm going to be obedient. And in that obedience is going to come vulnerability. But I'm going to go as, I, as the Lord has led me.
So I'm going to spend some time sharing my story. I did a bachelor's degree in hotel management many moons ago. And I worked in the hotel industry for about four years. And then I went to do a master's in finance and accounting. And instead of going back into the hotel industry, I decided that I wanted to try out this finance thing. And so I went to the States, sent out some job applications and had some interviews lined up. And one of the places that I was scheduled to be interviewed was Goldman Sachs. Excited, you can imagine 20 something year old and the prospect of working at Goldman Sachs, I was over the moon, all rearing and ready to go. Then the interview was canceled. I was crushed. I was broken. I said, not really. I, never even, I wasn't even near anywhere as, as mature spiritually as I am today. So I was more vexed than anything else. How many times has that happened to you? You've prayed about something. You're trusting and believing God that he's going to come through. And suddenly there's disappointment. How do you react? What is your posture? That job that you expected, that child that you wanted, that marriage that failed, that parent that you've lost. How do you respond when things happen? Do you believe that that shift is a part of your process? Is a part of God's process to qualify you for what he has prepared for you? I didn't see it like that. I never had that level of spiritual maturity when that interview was canceled. I was disappointed. But little did I know that God was sparing me for today. Why? Because he needed me alive. The interview that was canceled was at nine o'clock on the 11th of September, 2001, near the Empire State Building. The first attack of 9-11 was at 8.46. My interview was scheduled for nine o'clock. God canceled that interview because he needed me to be there today. He canceled that interview because he had plans for me. What has he canceled for you that disappointed you? What have you prayed about, even fasted about, and it didn't happen? We must remember that God is not a goodwill theory. He's not a goodwill theory that's going to just do our bidding. Whatever we ask him to do, he's going to do. He will work things according to his perfect will. And remember, the first point is that God's purpose must be accomplished, and that is for him to get glory. So whatever it needs, whatever needs to happen for him to get the glory, it is going to happen. Now, some of you may be saying, oh, that story is tame. You're not going through nothing. You haven't been through anything to talk about. You haven't been through what I have been through, Karen. I have had to put up with downright wickedness, you may be saying. I've had to put up with downright evil. I have been through some stuff, Karen, that will make you blush. You, you, you don't know hard life. Well, let's continue with the story of Jacob. So we know Rachel had a son for Jacob, that's Joseph. And Joseph, we know, was born to fulfill God's promise to Jacob, to Isaac, and to Abraham. But look at what Joseph went through. In Genesis 37, because of jealousy, Joseph was thrown in a pit by his brothers and eventually sold into slavery in Egypt. 
he became a servant in Pharaoh's house. He was wrongfully accused of trying to rape Pharaoh's wife and he was thrown in prison. Is that your story? You've been a victim of jealousy. You've been mistreated. You've been abused. You've been rejected. You've been abandoned. Persons who you expect to be there for you turn their back on you. Persons who should be protecting you have hurt you. Are you angry at God? Are you questioning, why did it have to be me? I gave my everything. I did my best. I sacrificed so much, yet I was betrayed. Is Joseph's story your story? The Lord wants to reassure you today that there is purpose in your process. Nothing that has happened or is happening to you is by chance. It's not happenstance. As children of God, our steps are ordered by him. And if he allows it, it is intended to develop something in us. It is intended to develop something in you. It's a prerequisite for where he's taking you. He's qualifying you for your promise. The process is necessary for purpose to be fulfilled so that your promise can be realized. I want you to remember that. Your purpose is necessary. Your process, sorry, is necessary for purpose to be fulfilled so that your promise can be realized. Now let's continue with the story of, jo of Joseph. Genesis chapter 39, verse 20, 21 to 30, 30, 23 reads, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Joseph excelled because God's favor was on him. But Joseph had a choice. He could have been resentful. He could have been angry. But he chose instead to allow himself to be used by God. What are you doing in your prison? That place that you believe that you don't, you don't deserve to be. That place where you feel confined. That place where you feel oppressed. That place where you feel alone. That place you've ended up because your friends accused you. People who you trusted accused you. And worse, others have believed the lie that they've told on you. What will you do in that place? Has it occurred to you that what was prison, sorry, that it was in prison, not this, it was in prison that Joseph began interpreting dreams. It was in prison that Joseph began to interpret dreams. What are you doing in your prison? Joseph was sought after because he chose to exercise his gift of interpreting dreams in prison. He became sought after. He chose to exercise that gift that God gave him. What are you doing with your giftings as you go through your process? Are your gifts laying dormant because your environment is not ideal? Are others being denied of the benefit of your gift because you're still sulking about your process? But guess what? Joseph's story doesn't end there. 
Joseph experienced even more disappointment because guess what? After interpreting the dream for the chief cupbearer, he said, don't forget me when you get out of here. But the chief cupbearer forgot him and Joseph spent two more years in prison. What part of that is familiar? Persons who you've helped, persons who you've been there for, have now abandoned you. Persons who you think would not be looking out for you have forgotten about you. Friends who you think, no man, the only one, I can't call on that favor anytime. They don't even remember you. But do not despair. Again, it is all a part of God's master plan to qualify you for your promise. And later on, we see in the scriptures how Joseph was rescued. Well, he was released from prison, promoted in Pharaoh's house, and eventually it was Joseph who rescued his brothers. And because Joseph rescued his brothers, it preserved the lives of his brothers in the famine. And because the lives of his brothers was preserved, the promise that God made was fulfilled. Joseph's betrayal, his abandonment, his sale into slavery, his wrongful accusal, his imprisonment were all to qualify him to be used to fulfill God's promise. What about you? Will you believe everything that you've been through or everything that you're going through is to qualify you for where God is taking you? I'm convinced no more than ever that that is my story. What I'm going through is to qualify me for where God is taking me. It is to qualify me for my promise. And so I stopped my story at the cancel interview. So I came back home after, you know, everything settled down with 9-11 and the flights opened up back and so on. And eventually I got a job in banking. And my first stint in banking was five years. Left that, ran a small business for four years. That's a whole other story. But in 2011, I, I went back in banking and I joined another bank. I joined that bank as a senior manager. And in less than one year, I became assistant vice president, unheard of. In less than nine months after that, I became vice president, unheard of. I was the youngest VP in that bank and life was good. Spent five years with that bank. And at the end of five years, just almost at the end of five years, my position was made redundant. And a few months after leaving that bank, I started consulting for banks in my area of expertise. So I was essentially a freelancer, worked, worked for myself on my own terms and whatever. Life was good. Worked my own hours, was making more money even than when I was VP. Making so much money that the bank, that the deposits were going into eventually called me to ask me what's the source. That, that, and, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not boosting. This is a setup for what God was doing in my life. So I needed to understand what happened in my story. I was comfortable. But then there came a curveball. 
all my life I've been creative. I've always loved doing artsy stuff and doing things with my hands. And so my second stint in banking, I started woodworking as a hobby. Would always just make some stuff, give away, uh, you know, for decoration and whatever. It was an escape for me. Worked with my brain all week. I worked with my hands on the weekend. I loved it. But while I was consulting, I began to sense that the Lord was saying to me that you need to do this thing full time. And the consulting jobs just started drying up. Is that what, 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 what's going on? And I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that God was calling me to formally start my business. And so I registered my business, JC the Carpenter, in March of 2018. Has the process been easy? No. I've gone from a sure, stable income to uncertainty, and that is hard. I've gone from financial security to not knowing how my expenses are going to be met, and that is hard. I've gone through a season. I don't think anybody, as close as I am to some people on this um, platform, I don't think anybody knows that I went through a season. Good thing it was mango season because I had no money. So I ate mango for breakfast, lunch, and dinner because it was free. And I was too ashamed to ask for help. So you have been asking, Lord, why am I going through this? There is a purpose for what you're going through. And I know that there are people who are asking the question, so Karen, why, why you don't do the woodworking on the side? Why you don't go back into banking and just do it on the side? Just do it until, do, 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 do some consulting or something until the business picks up. Persons have asked me that, and, and there are probably other people who are thinking it, but haven't been bold enough to ask me. And I know perhaps there are only a few persons who understand when I say I'm following the, the Lord's leading. I don't have the luxury of choosing to do what I please. I don't have the luxury of going back into banking. I got a call last year to, 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 to sit on a committee for a bank. And I, it would have been a paid position. And I, I, I entertained it, had the discussions and the, the, you know, the interview, whatever. And even during that process, the chairman of that committee resigned. And so the person who called me now wanted me to chair the committee. Established financial institution. And guess what? When I was supposed to give the response, the Lord told me, that's a distraction. And so I had to turn it down. It's a good thing I never told so many people because they wouldn't understand. So that has been my process. That has been my story. I've gone from earning not half, or not gone from, gone to. I've gone to earning not half, not a quarter, not one fifth, not even one tenth of what I used to earn. In a good month now, I will make one thirtieth of what I used to make when I did the calculation. And that's not enough fraction that you hear regularly. 
130th in a good month. The things that I'm going through now, I would want to forget, but I cannot skip my process. And preparing for this message has reinforced to me that all of this is part of my qualification process. These experiences are teaching me about my God. Excuse me. They're teaching me what it truly means to trust God. When you're single and completely financially independent, financially independent, it is easy to forget that God is your provider. It is easy to not appreciate other people's struggles. And I recall many years ago, somebody said to me, this is a colleague of mine, said to me that she was having difficulty paying a university tuition. And to be honest, I didn't really have a clue what tuition was like at the time. And so because she was working and because she said she had a challenge, I figured, well, tuition must be really high for her not to be able to afford it. Must be ridiculously high. And so she eventually told me that the tuition was about, I think it was about 200,000, which would be about 1,300 US. And I thought to myself, really, you can't afford that? I'm not proud of it, but that is what I thought. Now, if I make that in one month, what? You hear me, don't the girl shouting. As a matter of fact, I can't recall ever making that in a single month now. I am learning through my process that I cannot be in the ministry God has called me to be in and lack the awareness and appreciation for people's financial struggles. I believe that the Lord has always given me a heart to help. I, I don't doubt that. I, 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 I've always been a giver, perhaps a foolish giver sometimes. So I've never had a problem giving. But what I'm learning now is empathy. What I'm learning now is that I can identify with some of the things that people go through. And because I can identify with what they go through, I'm in a position to minister to them. When I walk the same road that someone else walks, it gives me a first-hand appreciation of their struggle. And walking this road has also taught me faith. My faith is now at a level exponentially higher than it was years ago. I haven't arrived yet, but I'm a long ways from where I used to be. Why? Because I have no choice but to trust God and to see him come through. And I'm trusting God now because what I earn now cannot cover my monthly expenses. I have to trust God. And he has been honoring that trust and that faith. Out of the blue, a friend offered to pay my bills. We're having a regular conversation, not about money. And she said to me, um, I'm going to send you a card. I said, what do you mean to send me a card? What kind of card? And to cut a long story short, she gave my credit card on her account so that I could pay my monthly utility bills. That is what God has done. Another example, out of the blue, a friend will send me some money. Spontaneously, it happens. And that money 
is needed to go towards an immediate expense. And not to mention my mortgage. You know, I, I, I got to a point in preparing this message. I said, God, really honor this, Lord? You just have me naked, so? But yeah, I'm going there because I'm stepping out in obedience. And I'm, I'm being exposed, thank you, because somebody needs to hear this this morning. Yeah. My mortgage, from month to month, I don't know how my mortgage will be. I have to trust God to make the provision. And I went through a season where I just kept putting the mortgage on the credit card because it is there. I don't know how it will get paid, but I put it on the card. And I put it on the card till there was no more room on the card. And what happened? Just that month, when I didn't know where the next payment was going to come from, somebody steps up and says, I will pay your mortgage for six months. That is what the Lord did. That is the kind of faith that I have to have. And that let me have a kind of praise for God that I have never had before. That kind of praise that comes from your foot bottom to your gut. That is what my experience has done for me. And I have to continue to trust God. So let's fast forward through my story. Same person who committed to pay my mortgage for six months and was paying it faithfully. We had a disagreement. And then vexed, and then as a matter of fact, you know, last month or the last mortgage map, unplanned, unannounced, out of the blue. And so here I am. I said, okay, Lord, over to you. Over to you. Because I had no choice but to trust him. And that experience has now led to a process of humility. Because what that caused is now for me, being led by the Holy Spirit, I'm sure that this was the Lord, going to my bank and saying, I cannot afford to pay my mortgage next month or the month after, or I don't know where the money is coming from. Can you approve a moratorium? And guess what? Remember, I'm a banker. I was a banker. So once a banker, always a banker. So I still tend to say I'm a banker. I was a banker. And not only was I a banker, but I was a credit risk professional. So my banking experience says there is no good reason to approve a moratorium. If I had my application before me, I would not have approved it. Because when you, when you go down the checklist, there was nothing about my situation that said, this is worthy of a moratorium. But guess what? The people never even asked any questions. Sent an, I never even had to go in. I sent an email. The only question she asked is, what happened? What has changed? And I told her, I was getting help, and the help has stopped, and I don't know what to do now. That's all. And that is the faith that my process is teaching me. And I know that in this process, the Lord is qualifying me for what he has prepared for me, but I have to be ready for that. I 
know that what God did was no small thing. And that experience has taken my faith to another level. And I'll give you another experience. Last year, I had I, I made a decision to stop working from home. I used to have my, my workshop at home, but I had to stop working from home for a number of reasons. And so I didn't know where I was going to work. And what did God do? God caused a friend of mine to call a carpenter who she knew years and years and years ago. So that the man had the same number. And cut a long story short, we connected and I was able to use his workshop and work out of his workshop. There are things that I can't do there because of the kind of equipment they have. And so the Lord has also opened it up so that I can work by my brother's house. That is the kind of faith that I've had. And that is the, the way that God has come through for me. Do I wish I had my own workshop? Of course. Do I get tired? Yes. Do I get weary? Of course. I recall one day I loaded up my van with all holy board and this and that and whatever. Had my to-do list and my orders. Drove down to the workshop. I don't have a key, so I have to hope that somebody is there. Went there, knock, call, no answer. I went in my car and I cried. I said, God, really? Really, Lord? All of this? But that is part of my process. I asked, why do I have to go through this? But again, these experiences are teaching me another level of faith. And I firmly believe that these experiences are qualifying me for my promise. It's uncomfortable, but I cannot skip the steps in my process. You cannot skip the steps in your process. Will it be hard? Yes. Will it be lonely? Perhaps, more likely than not. It has been for me, has been a lonely journey. And that has been one of my biggest challenges because I feel like only a few persons understand what God is doing with me. And for a while it felt like I needed to explain because after all, it doesn't make sense. You're a banker, you have qualifications. Credit risk is one of the most sought after professions in banking because you can't study for it. It's something you gain over time, experience over time. So why you can't boast? I've always, for a while, felt like I needed to explain. Explain why I can't have a regular job and do the business on the side till, 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 till it picks up, like I said earlier. And even worse, I'm even afraid of sharing things with, with my friends sometimes. Why? Because I fear judgment. And I'll give you an example, very real example. I know that I know that I know that the Lord is calling me to go back to Kenya this year. Have I shared that with persons? No, just the circle of NNH. You heard the announcement earlier, we're going to Kenya in September. And I don't even want to mention it outside of NNH, why? Because I'm afraid that people will think that I, I'm asking them for money. And not just that, I'm afraid of the judgment. 
You can't pay a mortgage, what type of Kenya? You can't do this, what type of Kenya? You can't do that, but you'll find money for the Kenya. Your priority is not right. Why is Kenya so important? Let the authors do it. I can hear the questions. I can hear the comments. And worse, sometimes I don't even share my needs because I don't want people to think that I'm mentioning something because I expect them to give me something. But what is God doing in this entire process? I don't want to tell you in private. I know God have me telling you on Zoom and Mixlr. What is he doing? He's teaching me humility. He's killing that pride in me. And God is working on me to get me to a place where it's all or nothing for him. And that this process is teaching me to focus entirely on him a process that is teaching me to trust him that he will make the provision for his work. Kenya will be covered, I have no doubt. Do I have the first $50? No. But I'm confident that God will make the provision. Why? Because it's his business and he will take care of his business. God has taken you through your process. He is taking you through your process to qualify you for your promise. Don't give up. People will have questions. People will make judgments, but don't compromise on your process to please man. I can't go and say, all right, I'm gonna do consulting on the side. I'm going to take a part-time job just to satisfy somebody who thinks that that is what I should be doing. No, no, no. My priority is to please God. That's my focus. Let the judgments come. Let the, let, the, let the talk happen. At the end of the day, I want God to say, well done, Karen, my good and faithful servant. That is my objective. First Corinthians 2 verse 14 says, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. So don't expect people to understand your process. And sometimes even Christians, among us as Christians who know God and understand the things of the spirit, even us may not understand, persons among us may not understand your process. They may not understand that you need to be qualified for where God is taking you taking you. God's kingdom does not operate by worldly standards. I began to realize that the job that God is preparing me for will not be in the classifieds. The job God is preparing me for will not be on executivejobs.com or ziprecruiter.com. The world says you graduate high school, you get your high school diploma, you get your first degree, your second degree, and then you go into the working world and you work your way up. There's, a, there's an established order, the norm. But God's order, God's process does not conform to man's. And this is also very important. God's standard and process is different for each of us. 
and it is ultimately for his glory. It is that simple. It's for his glory. So whatever he needs to take you through for his glory, he's going to take you through. There's no boilerplate template, no one size fits all. He knows his plans for each of us and what is required to get us there. So the job is not man-made. And so if the job is not man-made, why do we expect that the qualifications should be by man's standards? God and only God knows his divine plans for you. So only he knows what will qualify you for the job that he has for you. As VP of a bank, I had no time to get up for early morning prayer. I'm part of a group now that prays in the mornings. It's now three o'clock Jamaica time. Tell the truth, I come at the track of Jamaica time. So I try for four or five. But you think I would have had time to get up for that when I was working full time? You think I'd have had time to prepare for a message like this when I was working full time? And what God has done with that prayer group is that I now have Mondays assigned to me. So I, I, I have to prepare a message to share on a Monday morning. And that process of preparation has prepared me for days like today. That is part of my process. I cannot afford to bypass my process. You cannot afford to bypass your process. In the natural, you can't go from high school diploma to a master's or to a PhD. In the natural, you cannot have the experience or the training of a pilot and expect them to hire you as a doctor. You cannot have the experience or the training of a plumber and expect them to hire you as an electrician. God wants us to take us to places where our earthly resumes do not qualify us for. My resume says that I'm a credit risk and administration professional, but God has chosen to rewrite my resume to say that I'm a carpenter. He has birthed through me this business called J.C. the Carpenter. Could it be any clearer that I should be about Kingdom's business? My company name is J.C. the Carpenter. Jesus Christ the Carpenter, that's what it means. My business name is an opportunity to share the gospel. Imagine that. People will call my business number. I answer, thank you for calling JC the Carpenter. How can I help you? Is this JC? Can I speak to JC, please? Actually, no, this is not JC, but let me tell you about JC. That is what my business name has done. When I go to shows and people come up, where's JC? And I smile and it starts the conversation. Is there a better opener that you could have to introduce people to Jesus Christ? I'm not always bold enough to do it, but I try because the opportunity presents itself. I have to allow him to take me through my process. You have to allow him to take you through your process. You must be qualified. I have two degrees and all of this professional experience, but God said, no, Karen, and Charlene Burke, you are not qualified for what I have called you for. You need to do some prerequisites before I can promote you. So one of my prerequisites is becoming a carpenter. Imagine that. 
recently I had to fill out an, a, a form that asked for your profession. And I'll be honest with you, years ago, I would happily put banker, even when I wasn't in banking, I would put banker. And more recently, I would put consultant. But who was I fooling? I haven't consulted on anything for years, and I'm still putting consultant. And why did I do that? To make myself feel important. That is where my identity was. And so fast forward a couple of weeks ago, I was completing a form and it asked for profession. And I didn't put, I'm, I'm, I'm growing now, you know. So I didn't put banker. I didn't put consultant. So I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to put businesswoman. So I put businesswoman on the form. <laughs> And the lady who gave the form to look on the form, and she said, business woman is not a profession. Just as dry as that. And so I had to cross it out. And what did I cross it out and put? Carpenter. Carpenter. I humbled myself and I put carpenter. And you know what? It was liberating. Because there was no more shame after that in declaring that this is what I do. Why? because it is a profession that God has chosen for me. I'm being obedient and using myself as a subject today because that is what God is calling me to do today. Some, so somebody can hear my story and be encouraged. And I, I, I stepped out in obedience to share my story because I'm determined to finish my process. I'm determined to become qualified. I'm determined to kill this flesh. This flesh that says, no, 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 you're, you're too proud. You can't make everybody know your story. Am I conscious about sharing everything that I've shared? Yes. Am I wondering what some people are thinking now? Yeah, I am. Will my conversations with some of you after this, at least the initial conversation, make me feel uncomfortable? Yes but I'm pushing past that. Why? Because God is putting me through some stuff to make me qualify to help somebody else and that somebody else may be you. So pardon me, just give me a little pass because I'm here today, naked and exposed before you because I'm choosing to go through my qualification process. Feeling vulnerable, yes I am, but I'm willing to do it because I will become qualified and I encourage you to do the same. But guess what? This is, this is what they call spoiler alert. Don't expect a cheerleading squad. Your process may be lonely. You know that your process may not make sense in the natural. You may want to explain it. You may want to rationalize it. But consider for a moment the story of a caterpillar. Scientists have said that looking at a caterpillar's metamorphosis as it happens is difficult. And why is it difficult? It's difficult because disturbing a caterpillar inside its cocoon risks harming the transformation of the caterpillar into a butterfly. You cannot cut a caterpillar open to see how it develops. You have to just stand by and watch from the outside. And so it is with me. 
so it is with you. Sometimes what God is doing in us needs to be done in secret. You don't need to explain. You don't need to rationalize. People don't always need to get a glimpse inside your process. Let God do what he is doing to qualify you for where he is taking you. His objective is for him to get the glory out of your process. People may come around you. Some may understand, some may not. But what is important is that you and I stay in the will of God. Many times it won't make sense. Many times it will appear as if you're making foolish decisions. And that is a part of our journey. That is a part of our qualification process. My journey will be different from yours. My journey will be different from yours. My story will be different from yours. And I'm gonna share this other part of my story. I just fast forward, not fast forward, scroll through two pages because I wanted to skip over it and the Lord said, mm, go back. So I'm gonna share this part of my story. Several years ago, I bought an apartment as an investment. Nice apartment in what in Kingston is called the Golden Triangle. It's a sought after area. And I had it rented. It was an investment apartment, so I had it rented, making good rental income from it. I had no mortgage on it. And a couple of years ago, well, more than a couple of years now, I felt the need, the urge, rather, to sell the apartment. It didn't, it didn't really make sense, but I just knew I needed to sell the apartment. Couldn't explain it. But in my spirit, I knew that God wanted me to sell this apartment. I didn't even have to advertise it because the tenant bought it. The process was seamless. And I was convinced it was a God thing. And guess what? The common sense thing to do, good business sense would say, you didn't have a mortgage on this apartment, so pay off, use the money and pay off the mortgage on your house. That's logical. You sell the apartment, you reduce your other debts. But I, do, I don't believe that was God's will. I never had the urge to do that. I never felt the prompting to do that. As much as my experience would have said, this is the thing to do, I just knew that that was not what I was to do. I never waste the money. Never waste it. Didn't give it away foolishly. Didn't splurge. But all I know is I don't have it to pay off my mortgage now. That is the part of my process. And I know persons who know this story or are perhaps hearing this for the first time would say, but that is stupid, you're foolish. That's not sensible. And persons who know may think, no, you're wasted, man. Spend your splurge. No, I didn't. But I am now at a place where I'm seeing why God set me up like that. Because having that money, paying off my mortgage on my home would have given me security. I would not be learning the kind of faith and trust in God that I have to be learning now. Am I saying it's the same road for everybody? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. Am I saying financial security is a lack of faith? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that is my process. That is what I needed to go through 
as part of my qualification process for where God is taking me. Not having that money means that I have to trust God when I can't pay my mortgage. Not having that money means saying, okay, God, this person decided that it's not paying, so over to you. Not having that money means I less in humility to go to the bank and say, I cannot pay. No, can you approve a moratorium? Not having that money means a lessening faith that God will provide. Do not miss what God is doing in your life. Do not miss, my brothers and sisters, that you are in God University. He is building your resume. Don't you want to be qualified for the job that he has for you? Yes, it is hard. Yes, it is uncomfortable. Yes, it is humbling. Very humbling. Yes, people may look at you differently. People may even talk down to you. But it is part of your process. God is building your resume. Your process may be losing a job. Your process may be losing a marriage, losing a friendship, losing a child, losing a relative. These losses can be losses in the sense of actual death, but they can also be losses in the sense of a broken relationship. Your process may be you're being mistreated in a relationship. People are constantly hurting and disappointing you, constantly using and abusing you. Will it hurt? Yes. Will you feel alone? Yes. Will you get frustrated? Yes. But God is preparing you for your purpose. You must go through your process to be qualified. You cannot give up. And as I wrap up, let's look at the example of Jesus. Jesus was looked down on by his own brothers. They rejected him as the Messiah. He was wrongfully accused by men. He was betrayed, all while doing nothing but good. What if Jesus decided to give up? What if Jesus said, enough, I've had enough, I'm tired. I've done nothing but love these people. They're ungrateful, they're wicked, they're unkind. They've lied on me, they've despised me, they've mocked me, they've jeered me. And daddy, daddy, as if all of that wasn't bad enough. Peter, Peter, daddy, Peter, who said he would never deny me, turned around and denies me, I'm done. Is that how you feel? Who has betrayed you? That great, good friend who you thought was your ride or die, someone who you trusted has lied on you, and you've asked God why. Why do I have to experience that? It's not fair, God. I've been nothing but kind to them. I've made nothing but sacrifices. I've given this woman all of me. I've given this man all of me, but they've hurt me. I've had enough, God. I have had enough. I did not sign up for this. Of course, I want to serve you. Yes, I want to walk in divine purpose, but Cree, give me a break, God. Back off for a little bit. This journey of being qualified is too much. I can't pass this exam. Give me a diploma, Lord. I don't need to reach a degree level. This is too much. I'm done. That could have been me. I knew from February that I was going to speak today. And I was praying about what I should share. And I started making notes. Had my good notes. Everything was coming along nicely. And then last month, my computer crashed. 
Well, we're in May now, in March, my computer crashed, lost all my notes. And I recalled what the fundamentals were. So I started making my notes again. I started writing again because I was coming along the same trend of what I started preparing before. And last Sunday, I started sending out invitations to persons because I knew I was going to speak. Because I, and I was quite confident what my topic was going to be. I was comfortable. Up to last week, Thursday, I was building out on what I remembered from my notes, but nothing was coming together. I was fumbling. It wasn't making sense. Thursday evening, I said, God, this is not making sense. It's not coming together. Then I started looking at Joseph. I look at Jacob. I look at Moses. I look at David. All very good examples in scripture of being qualified for your purpose, for your promise. But nothing was coming together. And I said, God, who am I supposed to use as a subject in this message? And the Lord said, you. I was numb. My throat became dry. And my immediate thought was, uh, who did we did invite again? This was like deja vu, because this happened the last time I spoke. But God is doing it again. Why? Because he's working on something in me, and somebody needs to hear this today. I'm determined to get my degree. I'm naked, I'm bare, I'm exposed. I'm telling you a story that most of you have never heard. I recognize that being this vulnerable and shared my journey. However, it's part of my qualification process. I recognize that if I, if I really mean it when I say to God, use me, then I must be prepared to go through being qualified to be used. You may have been okay with your process up to now. You have yielded, but yielded thus far. You've been okay. It's been hard, but you've yielded thus far. But you're at a point now where you're saying, God, no, this is way too much. This is way too much, Lord. But let us go back to the story of Jesus. So he decided to put up with the betrayal. He decided to put up with the mocking. He decided to put up with the lies and the jeering. And he still took up his cross and he walked the road to Calvary. And as he's walking, they're lashing him. Lash! And he winces and he feels the whip on his back and he keeps moving and they lash him again. And he winces and he keeps moving and they lash him again. And his skin starts to bleed. And he said, no, I'm pushing, I'm pressing. This process is necessary for the salvation of man. And he makes it to Calvary and he's nailed to the cross. And the cross is planted in the ground and he's hanging on the cross. And he looks down on the crowd and he sees his mother and he sees his brother and he sees his friends. And this is the point where he said, no, 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 dad, this is too much. This is too hard. This, there's too much pain. I feel the nails in my hand. I feel the nails in my feet. I'm exposed. I'm being ridiculed. I can't go through with this. I can't put up with my mother watching this, Lord. I can't let my mother watch me die, God, Daddy. I try to explain to them. I tell them this is my cross to bear, but it's still painful. 
What if Jesus said, Michael, Gabriel, hosts of angels, come and rescue me. I check out. I give up. What if Jesus said, I am finished. What if Jesus said, I am finished. If Jesus said, I am finished, he never would have been able to say, it is finished. If he checked out, man could not be reconciled to God. If Jesus checked out, you and I would never experience a relationship with God. We would be doomed for eternity in hell. But instead of I am finished, Jesus said, it is finished. Because he went all the way. What will you say? Will you check out? Will you say, God, I can't qualify. I can't go through this process. Will you say, God, I'm finished? Or will you decide to go through your process? Or will you decide to go through your process to qualify you for your promise so that God's purpose will be fulfilled? I'll ask the question again. Will you decide to go through your process to qualify for your promise so that God's purpose will be fulfilled? I leave you with that question. God bless you.